Go wild with Nation Gear's end of regular season merch madness sale. Nation Gear is offering our favorite fans 20% off all regular season merch. And we're going to give you free shipping on any orders over $200. Stock up your closet for the playoffs. Rep your team and grab that merch you've been eyeing up all season long. Don't wait. This sale only lasts from April 1st until April 7th. Shop the sale at nationgear.ca. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. This is the Puck Poolies Podcast with Matt Larkin and Stephen Ellis. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a new edition of Puck Poolies. It's Matt Larkin here with Stephen Ellis. Stephen, right now, I'm in a bit of a rage. I'm looking out my window, seeing squirrels just destroy my backyard. Come on. <laughs> I got, apparently you're supposed to put like, because if you don't want to hurt them, you put pepper, like <laughs> spicy pepper or cayenne pepper in the backyard. It's not working. They seem to be enjoying it. You bastards. I'm just <laughs> looking at them right now. But anyways, welcome to the show. And uh, Steven, let me know how you are doing in your fantasy league. It's our first show since the All-Star break. Well, uh, see, that was a weird week because it was like obviously the two weeks put together there and uh in my 16 league i think i clinched it probably like wednesday of this week it was not really close so uh that was good the the problem was the team i'm chasing the guy who's won almost every matchup this week uh he he was trailing i think saturday afternoon and he ended up pulling away by a long shot so um gotta say the super bowl sunday um schedule really threw me off of just being two games and very early. And I know a few guys in my league forgot to check which goalies to start. Uh, and that hurt some guys, but I'm happy with that. How I'm, I'm looking pretty comfortable in second place. How about you? I'm kind of checked out right now, which is weird for the host of a fantasy podcast to say, but I'm just, I'm saying I, I, I'm realistic about my team situation. I'm sort of trying to make sure I sink. I don't want to lose my fourth keeper per the league rules. So I'm just deliberately trying to be mediocre right right now and the league is kind of stagnant a bunch of trades happen and now everybody's sort of waiting for the trade deadline to make their final moves so i'm kind of waiting out teams that are being gun shy right now i'm going to keep trying to trade that paperclip to a house so little moves where i keep moving up my picks for next year but it's sort of a boring time of year for me it's like the quietest time in, in the season that's the ebb and flow of the fantasy season and uh i think it's time to discuss some pickups steven all right, today at 69% available, Dylan Strom is the Shadow League pickup of the week. Yeah, I feel like Dylan Strom has his little moment where he gets hot uh, seemingly every season now. He's a streaky player, 
And I think in this case, it's a matter of not just Strom playing what Alex Ovechkin is picking, playing with Strom, Ovi's scoring touch, and that's helping Strom get more points, get more scoring opportunities as well. He's got 10 points in his last 11 games. He's got four goals, seven in his past six. And Strom, who's never been really a shooter, he's always been more of a playmaker. He's already got 20 goals. And he's shooting the puck the most he's ever shot it in his career, 2.2 shots a game. So he's giving you a bit more variety in that statistical profile, which to me makes him arguably the most valuable he's ever been. So he should be owned in most leagues right now. All right. The medium league pickup is Yuri Slavkovsky of the Montreal Canadiens. I wrote about him earlier this year for Daily Faceoff saying at the time in November, like it, you got to figure out what you're doing with his ice time. You got to figure out because you got to give him this confidence to prove like he what he could do. You're in a big market, a lot of pressure, and he was not performing. But ever since, he's been fantastic. Yes, the main note that I wrote down was it's happening because it is. He's on the first line with Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield. He's on the top power play unit. He's got eight goals, sixteen points in his last twenty-one games. He's got six goals nine points in his last 10 games and on the year 89 hits in 52 games so this is now if you're in a banger format he's a must own asset it's happening for slavkovsky late bloomer not even that late it's the second year in the league it's not like he's 25 years old like tate thompson but it's coming together for this kid he's physical he's big he's starting to get his swagger and i feel like he's arrived in fantasy as someone you want on your team yeah that's good to see because i know you know it's been it wasn't that long ago that they drafted him. It was 2022, only two drafts ago. But I know for, for Habs fans, they were a little nervous when he got drafted. A little very nervous when he wasn't producing. But he's finally starting to do some good stuff here. Although, I think if you're a Canadiens fan, you want nobody producing at this point. Because you're looking at like Chicago and San Jose. They keep finding ways to get worse. You got to kind of join the trend there, I think, this year. Uh, going up to the uh, Deep League pickup of the week, Barrett Hayden recently came back from injury. Yes, still available in 96% of Yahoo League. So people have not really woken up to his return yet. Uh, was out three months and now just back only a couple games so far eased into the lineup with the Coyotes playing on the fourth line, only playing about 13 minutes. But to me, you know, he was the Coyotes' number one center at the beginning of the year and he was last year as well. And nobody really stepped up in his absence. Logan Cooley wasn't quite ready, obviously, as a rookie. Jack McBain is just, eh, he's fine. He's just kind of there. It's not like he's a frontline forward in the NHL. It's not really what he's built for. So to me, the opportunity is still there. Once Hayton has his legs, I fully expect him to get the number one center job back. And his ownership does not reflect that. It seems like people have just forgotten about him. And last season, let's remember, he was huge in the second half, especially March, which is a crucial uh, component of the fantasy season, especially in head-to-head. Eight goals and 17 points in 16 games last March. So Barrett Hayton, I think, is going to have his moment before the season's up, and you should grab him. All right. And the WTF pickup of the week is Mark andre Fleury. But before you answer or mention why you think he's this, do you think he makes Canada's Four Nations Cup tournament team? I don't think so because I don't know if he's going to be playing hockey again one year from now. And it's funny. We're recording this on Monday, February 12th. The tournament starts one year today, one year from today. And Stephen and I will have roster projections, early ones going up on Daily Faceoff in the coming days and weeks, including Canada this Tuesday. And I just finished thinking about that right before we started this pod. And I don't have Fleury on my team because I, I just think he's going to be retired. I think that this is it for him. And that ties into why I have him as a pickup 
He's available in 47% of leagues. We know this is probably his last ride. It sort of has that vibe, right? Look at his visit to Pittsburgh. It felt like it's his farewell, right? And he's actually just been good, even with the Minnesota Wild, since December 1st, 9.15 save percentage. But there's still a chance he gets traded to a contender and gets a chance to start. He has that no-movement clause, but if, let's say, a team like New Jersey, Carolina comes knocking and he knows that going there means he'll get a crack at the starting gig, I think he will waive it and take one last ride, right? So those are the two teams I'm really looking at, Carolina and New Jersey, because I think in both those situations, he has a pretty strong chance to be the number one. And in that case, his fantasy value goes through the roof, especially if he goes to New Jersey, because they're just absolutely lost with their goaltending right now. And then Vitek Vanacek also a little bit dinged up to boot. So... That's someone who can be a league winner, Marc-Andre Fleury. If he gets that last ride, could be shades of, you know, Marty Brodeur in the 2012 run with the New Jersey Devils that year when he was suddenly recapturing the magic. Yeah. Now the, the question, I guess, are how much could they, if, if the Wild do trade him, which, again, we expect, what do they get for him in return? I don't think it's going to be a lot, A, because of his age and it's a short-term rental, but it's like, for Minnesota, it's just giving them, like, Hey, now we could play Jesper Wallstad. Hey, now we got a perfect opportunity for him. It's like I feel like they would trade him for not much because there's still a benefit for them and what they're getting with yeah. their goalie prospect. Yeah, second or third round pick, I think, would be a fair price for Flurry at this stage of his career. And then the Wild, they still have Philip Gustafson signed. It's already it's always been the plan, right? There's a reason why Flurry is not being extended. That's gonna be the duo going forward, Jesper Wallstad and Philip Gustafson. So to me, everybody wins with a Flurry trade if it happens before the deadline. All right, what is the tip of the week? Okay, the tip of the week, this sort of, it's almost like this is advice to myself because we're at the time of year where if you look at the cycle of trade activity in most leagues, you, you have sort of junctures. Maybe it's after the first four weeks, people finally are starting to understand what they need. Then you get maybe halfway point of the season, all-star break. It's a chance for teams to load up for the home stretch, understand everybody knows what their team is at that point. But then you get this lull in between where now it's like, a, at least in my league, a bunch of trades have happened and you're trying to get those final deals. And I'm sort of poking and prodding and everybody's saying, Oh, I want to wait for the deadline. I want to wait for the deadline. And this is a moment where even though I preach aggression and trading, there does reach a point in the season where you have to switch gears and suddenly switch to patient mode because you don't want to force a trade just because you're anxious to get one done. If you're this close to your deadline, your best chance to make deals will be on deadline day. And the certain type of GM that's not willing to deal with you now might deal with you that day because there's, and you're not going to get lowballed the way you might right now. So if you're in that spot where you're just restless and you're kind of pressuring teams and squabbling, trying to get people to step up and make a move, maybe you have to take a step back and say, okay, I'm going to wait till that day and we're going to ride that wave and there should be another final flurry of activity in your league. So that's the way I would summarize it. It's cool to be aggressive. I'm definitely aggressive, but there's a time where you just get a sense. It's not the temperature of the league right now. Everybody is sort of biding their time and that's when you need to step back rather than force a bad trade just because you want to scratch that itch. And that's something I am guilty of myself from time to time. All right. I like that. Now, in your league, you've talked about already in this episode about a bunch of trades that happened. My league had a bunch of trades in a very short span, and we had one. I don't know if I told the story about how for a little bit I was trying to help out another guy in my league beat the guy that I was chasing. I'm like, okay, I've already won. I'll trade you my best players. You trade me your junk, and we're going to do this for one day. And it didn't work out, but that was kind of the... It, 
nobody complained about it in our chat. So I guess there's that. But the idea was, I know it was probably against the spirit of things, but we were trying to really like take down that top team. Uh, although if I end up losing the top man. team, everybody would try to do that. Yeah, 100%. 100%. We're, we're all going to jail. But and, uh, it, in the end, it didn't really matter. But the, we haven't done trades in a while. But this is a trade-themed episode. So what do you want to talk about now? Yes, it is a trade. Later in the season, we'll do a trade deadline episode in terms of dealing with the real trade deadline, right? And that has fantasy implications as well. But we know that most leagues are getting close to their deadline. Uh, at least I know mine is. I think most are. So we want to make sure we give you whatever help we can offer. And so let's look at some players we recommend trading for and trading away. All right, let's start with Igor Shosturkin of the New York Rangers, a goalie that, you know, when you look at the two goalies the Rangers have, him and Jonathan Quick, you go, hmm, okay, well, one of these guys is 38 years old, and one of them is one of the best goalies in the league, but the best goalie, one of the best goalies in the league happens to be that 38-year-old. So what are your thoughts here of Igor Shosturkin? Yeah, we know that Peter Laviolette, I don't know what he was doing last week when he had to say, Shesty's our guy, as if it, there was an idea that he wasn't. To me, that was ironically more likely to create a goalie controversy. Yes, Jonathan Quick, he's had his moment this year, but that happened last year too. In small bits of time, he can still get hot, and then he regresses to being the almost 40-year-old goaltender that he is. He's not a real threat to Shesterkin, and we know Shesterkin working with Benoit Allaire to sort of iron out his skills over the break. I'm not worried about him. He's been too good for too long. So to me, just... When you have a goalie as good as Shesterkin, who's still young, who's still in his prime, as far as we know, he's healthy, and that save percentage, is, he's barely keeping that thing in the 900 range, I still like him as a buy low down the stretch, and I think he can figure it out. And I, I just, in this case, it's betting on talent. I, I would try to get him if I didn't have him. All right. Alex Ovechkin. It's obviously been a difficult season for him this year, but he's kind of back on a hot streak right now, which I think has got to be good. Uh, obviously, not a lot of great things going on with Capitals this season, and some of his scoring help not around anymore with Kuznetsov off. But uh, what are your thoughts here, Fovechkin? Yeah, I wrote in my notes, no fair, because I was planning out this episode several days ago, and I put Ovechkin down as one of my trade recommendations, and he's scored in every game since. So now it's like, am I, it looks like I'm late to the party. I wasn't. I was telling people several days ago when I put out the top 300 a couple weeks ago, actually, to trade for him, just for the record. I want to make sure that's established. And to me, it's just the shooting percentage is so low. Yes, he's regressing. That's obviously true. But when you're shooting 6% and you are playing the third most power play minutes per game in the NHL, which he was as of the All-Star break, it's just the role itself is too strong for you to not eventually start scoring. So yes, he's not going to score 50, but he might finish with 25 goals. And I think he'll score. He might score at a 40 goal pace in the second half of the season. I could totally see it. And then you factor in the shots and the hits. If you're in formats that count those categories. And I think he can be pretty valuable. I think he can be a top 100 player, maybe even a top 50 player for the last month or two of the season. Okay. And the last one for this part here is Clayton Keller of the Arizona Coyotes. Why should people be trading for him? Yes, Clayton Keller, career before the All-Star break, 0.74 points per game. 
After the All-Star break, 0.87 points per game. Different player. He's just established himself for whatever reason as a second-half player. Last year after the All-Star break, he had 45 points in 32 games. He was the definition of a league winner last year. And it just seems to be his career pattern. He's also got Barrett Hayton coming back. And like I said earlier, I'm expecting that line eventually to get a crack together again. So I think there will be a Clayton Keller hot streak before the season is over, and that could propel you in your playoffs. Okay, so those are the guys that we should be trading for. So let's switch gears and who you should be trading away, starting with a guy that has been so good in my fantasy league this year, and I hate facing facing him because the guy who has Sam Reinhart got him later than he probably should have and has way too much talent to kind of beat him right now. But Sam Reinhart. Yes, and at this point, I mean, we've talked about him a lot on this show, and I don't think there's anything stopping the career year at this point. Like, it's happened, and so it's not like he's going to completely disappear. 39 goals in 52 games, but still shooting 27.9%, which is absolutely ridiculous. I think like the regression will come. It doesn't 100% mean it'll come this year. It never did for Kuzmenko last year, right? He stayed at 27% all year, and then he regressed the year after. But either way, just mathematically, it's likely to happen. It's likely that Reinhardt will go a little bit cold down the stretch. And I'm not saying that you need to punt him away for 80 cents on the dollar. It's not about that at this point. He's been too good. I think you have to accept that he's a top 25 fantasy player right now. But what if you can get a superstar for him? What if you can get, let's say, Jason Robertson in a one-for-one, someone who was an easy first-round pick, and you can get a one-for-one exchange there that Reinhardt might progress and just be normal Sam Reinhardt for the rest of the year? I think you need to explore that and just see what the market is for him because he's been so damn good this year. Okay, next one up here is Nathan McKinnon of the Colorado Avalanche. I sent, I think, 11 trade offers to try and acquire him last week. Unfortunately, not one of those trade offers were good, but uh, trading away Nathan McKinnon, who right now is the number one ranked player in my pool, at least. Yes, he's the number one overall fantasy player this season. He's an absolute monster. And I'm going to give you four numbers. 8, 17, 11, 0. Those are his missed games in the last four seasons. Has not missed a game this year. Always is a good best, good bet to miss a significant number of games. He tends to get nicked up. I'm amazed he's made it this far without it happening, but it usually does. And to me, when you have someone who's been the number one player, I think you need to explore what you can get. What if you can get two top 30 players for Nathan McKinnon? You need to see what's out there because you could get a haul for this guy and I still just think it's virtually impossible at this at this point. The way he plays, he plays with such ferocity. He just never plays 82 games. He never comes close. So I'm stunned that he hasn't missed a game yet, and I, I think he will. So I'm not saying you need to trade him, but just, just see what's out there. What if someone is willing to give you something amazing for him? Okay. And trading away, something the Montreal Canadiens recently did, Sean Monaghan. Yeah, Sean Monaghan, you know, he's had a solid career, especially before his injuries, was a perennial 30-goal threat. Right now, he's just a guy. He's not a great finisher anymore. Uh, he's a great real-life acquisition for the Winnipeg Jets. They needed a number two center. He'll help on the power play. That's where he still has pretty good acumen. He's a good two-way center. But from a fantasy perspective, it's been four years since he even scored 20 goals in a season. He's a major injury risk. And... He has that name brand. It's Sean Monaghan. Everyone knows Sean Monaghan. He's getting a look on Winnipeg's second line. He's playing on the top power play, so he's in a good role on a good team. To me, 
you need to use that to your advantage as a selling point. And I, I would try to get off this train if I could. Try and move Sean Monaghan because he's likely to get hurt. His body usually doesn't hold up to the rigors of a full season. And he's just not that good anymore. Just to be blunt, he's a, he's a solid player, but he's not a top-end fantasy asset anymore. So there's a little bit of excitement when a guy gets traded from one Canadian team to another. I think you need to pounce on that and prey on others' excitement and trade Sean Monaghan to those people. So just going through Monaghan's you know, stat sheet since being traded, zero points against Pittsburgh, zero points against Philadelphia, zero points against Pittsburgh again. He had five shots against Philadelphia, six shots in three games. So he's not even getting insane shot value outside of that one game uh, and obviously has no points. So mm -hmm. uh, there is that. Um, that's it for guys we're going to trade away and trade for, but I guess we're going to continue with a similar topic with our next guest. Yes, we're going to keep it going and bring in Brock Sagan, our colleague who runs the fantasy side of Daily Faceoff, also the man behind all these, all those lines. That's Brock. He's coming in with some additional trade advice for you. Up next, we are very pleased to bring back our colleague, the managing fantasy editor at Daily Faceoff. It's Brock Sagan. And Brock, we want to congratulate you. We know you're a relatively new dad. And I want to start yeah. there before we get into the fantasy talk. Just give us a quick uh, scouting report on being a dad, first time dad, and, and what it is relative to what you expected it to be. <laughs> yeah. I guess uh, the way I've described it to people is like, I'm like the relief pitcher. My wife's the starting pitcher. As long as she can go the, the full game, that'd be great. Uh, but sometimes she needs some help and she calls in the relief arm. And that's kind of been my uh, my role. But it's been nice, obviously, working from home. Uh, I have kind of the luxury that not everybody has to, to be around and see everything. So it's been good. Um, pretty much on par with what I expected. And everything's going well. So uh, dad life has been fine so far. That's so funny. I've been using that exact analogy for years, the starting pitcher. And I always say like, if, cause usually I do bedtime, my wife gets up early. She starts the game. I come in, I'm expected to throw harder, like bring more energy coming out of the yep. bullpen. And then if I don't successfully get my daughters to bed, it's a blown save. I'm like, ah, oh, I, yep. I couldn't close. I loaded the bases or like maybe the kid cried once, but then you got them down. It's like, you got into a jam, you loaded the bases, but you got out of it. And then if they go right to bed, it's like, oh yeah, I pitched a one, two, three, ninth. You know, so yeah. I know I love that analogy. I, I use it all the time. It's it's very uh, accurate, especially in those uh, early days. Uh, so Brock, sorry to interrupt you. There are maybe a little delay on the stream, but um, our theme this week, it's all about trade advice. We know you're in the thick of it in all your leagues. You're probably dishing out a lot of advice as well. So we wanted to get you to give some of your tips in terms of who to target and who to trade away. So let's start there. We want to hear your number one trade target target right now that's a forward uh one size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on same goes for healthcare. that's why united healthcare offers flexible budget-friendly coverage for medical vision dental and more learn more at uh1.com hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The first name that comes to mind for me is Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Uh, hasn't really delivered on his third round ADP. To be honest with you, I wasn't a huge fan of him coming into the season. I just thought the, the asking price on draft day was just far too high. Uh, but so far, he's returned eighth round value to this point. And I think that there's lots of room for optimism. Uh, his shot volume is still in line with what he did last year. Uh, he's shooting just 10.3%. He's a career 12% shooter. And he still just plays on the best line in the entire NHL. Their 5v5 numbers have been absolutely insane with Hyman and McDavid. He's still a fixture on one of the top, if not the top, power play unit in the NHL. And at this moment, he should come at a discount. And no player is really in a better position to succeed than Ryan Nugent Hopkins in the second half, given his line mates, given his position on that power play. And the Oilers are tied for the most games during the fantasy hockey playoffs and have the fifth most favorable schedule overall during that stretch. So uh, if, if you can buy low on him right now and he turns it around a little bit, the schedule in the playoffs should even be a, a greater benefit as well. All right, moving back a few extra feet, your number one defense trade target. That would be Brandon Montour from the Florida Panthers. His own percentage has actually dropped to 76% on Yahoo in recent days. So you might even be able just to get this guy up off uh, the waiver wire without having to trade for him. Uh, he's currently third in the uh, NHL among defensemen in expected goals for, individual expected goals for, uh, from defensemen, only behind Kale McCarr and Roman Yossi, two pretty good names. Uh, however, he shot just 2.2% so far this year. He shot 7% in his first three seasons with the Florida Panthers. So got to expect there's a lot of room for, for positive regression on that shooting percentage. He's currently got the second most goals scored below expected per game among defensemen behind only Zach Rowenski. So there is a lot to suggest that Montour has positive regression coming in his goal scoring, and he could have a big second half. And again, looking at the playoff schedule, the Panthers have the fourth best playoff schedule in fantasy hockey. So uh, if you get there and you've got Montour and he turns things on here in the second half, I do like what he could offer for you in the fantasy hockey playoffs. Yeah, that's some really good insight on Montour after that monster season he had last year, 70-plus points. And it's not like the talent went anywhere, so I'm totally with you there, Brock. Uh, let's hear your favorite goalie trade target right now. Speaking of talent not going anywhere, I find it hard to believe that Igor Shesterkin has suddenly gone from a guy who was a 924 save percentage goalie in his first four seasons to a sub-900 goalie now. And not to mention, the Rangers are one of the best teams in the NHL over the last few months. They give up the third fewest scoring chances, the sixth fewest high danger chances in their last 25 games. So they insulate Shesterkin and Jonathan Quick, for that matter, very well. And like I said, I don't think that he's just suddenly a bad goalie. Um, they only have one back-to-back -back as well in uh, in the fantasy hockey playoffs, which is great. If he gets on a run, you could see him start a lot of uh, games in the fantasy hockey playoffs. And their skaters have the third easiest schedule during the fantasy hockey playoffs. So he should also get plenty of goal support. And with that comes wins in the most important weeks of the season. All right. So who are you trying to sell when it comes to forwards here? 
I'm looking at getting rid of Brad Marchand. The Bruins have an absolutely brutal schedule, not just in the fantasy hockey playoffs, but from today, week 18 through the playoffs. And during the playoffs, they have by far the worst schedule overall. And when you look at Marchand's game, he is likely due for regression. He's shooting 18.4%, has a 17.7 on-ice shooting percentage. Both are just considerably higher than his career averages. Uh, He also has the fourth highest percentage of secondary assists among players with at least 20 helpers. So there's just a lot of red flags in Marshawn's personal outlook moving forward. And then when you look at the schedule in the most important fantasy weeks, it's an absolute grind for the Boston Bruins. And you do wonder if veterans on that team get a little nicked up, will they do a little bit of load management down the stretch for a team that kind of ran out of gas at the worst possible time last year? So I'm with you on that one as well. What about a defenseman? Who are you shopping right now if you have them? This one seems pretty simple to me. Uh, Mackenzie Weger of the Calgary Flames. I mean, he's leading all defensemen in goals right now, uh, despite ranking 17th in expected goals, uh, individual expected goals among defensemen. He's shooting 11.6%, which is, you know, just abnormally high. Uh, most forwards don't even get there. So a defenseman, it just does not seem sustainable at all. And he's not even the top power play option in Calgary. So to me, you can probably get a pretty sizable return. I mean, people might see through what Mackenzie Weger has done to this point. So at the very least to me, he's like the ultimate sweetener in a trade. If you're kind of trying to uh, maybe downgrade a little bit of that defense and, and upgrade a forward, he could be a really nice second piece to a trade and, and help you acquire somebody really good up front. So you mentioned the f- a forward I have. You mentioned defenseman I have. I'm a little <laughs> concerned who your goalie is going to be here then. <laughs> to me, there's not that many sell-high goalie options right now. Um, but to me, if you can get a reasonable return for Logan Thompson, I would try to move him. Uh, Aiden Hill just continues to play out of his mind. He's been one of the best boys in the world for like the last year and a half. And I just don't see Thompson getting that many starts down the stretch, at least not as many as you'd like to see if you were uh, a Thompson owner. Uh, but leagues or like owners in your league still might view him as the, a Vegas goalie and still pay, uh, pay a pretty penny for him. So I don't know what the return would be on him, but I just think that if you can move him for somebody that's at least going to get you a few extra starts, I think that's reasonable. And if not him, I think that the Bruins goalies are in a similar, similar situation. They have 30 games left this year. They've been splitting them down the middle almost exclusively, alternating every single game all season long. So you're probably only going to get 15 starts out of each of those guys down the stretch. And they've been unbelievable. And you're going to get a return for them because of how good they are. They're they're not going to hurt your splits, your goals against average or safe percentage. But you could probably get a goalie who starts 25 games and they're only going to start 15. To me, that's a move that I would make. You're going to need those extra starts come uh, the fantasy hockey playoffs. For sure. And you make a good point. Just even mentioning Aiden Hill, sort of the separation you're seeing between him and Logan Thompson. And I think a lot of people at the beginning of the year were almost viewing them as a tandem, which I didn't agree with. I always say money talks in fantasy. Mm -hmm. You're getting $4.9 million. That's starter money. So to me, this is how I expected it to play out. I'm with you on that advice as well. And just great insight, Brock. I love how specific you are with all those numbers. You back it up. Really respect that. It's great in fantasy. It's great advice. I know our listeners appreciate it. Uh, Before we let you go, back to the bullpen for your next parenting appearance. Is there anything you want to plug right now? Uh, Yeah, I mean, you can find all my work over at dailyfaceoff.com, as always. you know, for me, I do a live uh, DFS show. If you play DraftKings, you play FanDuel. Uh, hopefully, you don't live in Ontario like me and you can actually play still. Um, but yeah, if you play either one of those, I do a live DFS show on YouTube every day at 5 p.m. Eastern. And then I also have a fantasy hockey podcast that airs once a week. Usually, Thursday morning is the drop. So you can find us there as well. Excellent stuff, Brock. Thank you so much for the insight and uh, good luck getting back to that pen. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for having me. 
Well, that was great. Very informative from our buddy Brock and Stephen. We're going to move on now to our best bet of the week. And this is maybe the weirdest one of the year for me. I'm picking a team that I don't even really like. I don't think they're great. And I'm picking them to make the playoffs. But I need to explain this, okay? In the futures bets, St. Louis Blues plus 215 to make the playoffs. I don't love this team. I think they're fine. They're flawed. They're not great defensively. But if you look at the weird playoff picture in the Western Conference right now, I don't remember it ever being this weak in terms of the depth of quality teams. One of these teams literally must make the playoffs. St. Louis, Calgary, Nashville, Seattle, Minnesota. One of those teams is guaranteed. And if you count LA in the mix, it could be two of those teams if they want, if someone can leapfrog LA. But that's a list of teams that are not very good. A lot of those teams are sellers or teams that are kind of in the wishy-washy middle. And regardless, someone's got to make it. So the Blues are in that spot already. That gives them a slight advantage over the group. Like a team like Minnesota has a lot of catching up to do to even reach St. Louis. The Flames, even though they're hot, they're still adopting a seller's posture. They moved Elias Lindholm. They might be moving Noah Hannafin soon. Everything we understand is that despite their success, they're still thinking of themselves as sellers. The Coyotes are as well. They're a little further down the list. The Predators could end up moving someone like, let's say, Alexander Carrier. They're going to be taking offers for their goaltenders. The Blues could move Pavel Buknevich. They could move Kevin Hayes. But they still have a decent number of veterans that are signed to expensive long-term deals. So they have to keep these guys around, whether it's Colton Pareko, Tori Krug, or Braden Shen. It's just there aren't that many pieces that are going to get moved out from St. Louis this year, which is going to prevent them from being that bad. So... Based on this underwhelming group, the Blues might be the least, and I think they're the most likely team to actually make the playoffs. Basically, what I'm saying here is look at that group. If you're placing this bet, pick whichever one of those mid-teams you think has the best chance to make the playoffs and make the bet because one of them will. You know, the real winner, I think, in this, uh, for whoever makes a final playoff spot, it's not the team. It's the charter service they use to get the team there because it's... That's just more money, I guess, for them for a couple of days because there's no way any of these teams are making it out of the first round of the playoffs. Saying that, now I expect the St. Louis Blues to make <laughs> it and eliminate, I don't know, Vancouver in four games. I don't know. Yeah. Um, at this point, I the, the the thing that's been used on the, on the Daily Faceoff Live show often this year is the battle of mid. And there are so many mid teams here that I'm... Some team yeah. has to make it. So, <laughs> hell, why not be the Blues, I guess. That's right. Well, Stephen, let's move on now to the prospect report. And this is a player that I haven't heard much about for a while. So I'm, I am legitimately curious to hear what you have to say about his progress. Yeah. So you look at Marco Casper's numbers this year in the uh, in the AHL Grand Rapids, 22 points in 42 games. So nothing spectacular by any means. There's other guys that are you know, 19, 20 years old that are producing more, but he's playing some of his best hockey recently. You know, you look at just in the last couple of games, he's got back-to-back points against the Manitoba Moose. He had a three-point game against the Moose earlier. He had a two-point game against, you guessed it, the Manitoba Moose the night before that. So he seems to get a lot of points specifically against Manitoba. So watch out Winnipeg Jets. But uh, just in general, uh, watching him play a couple of games with the Grand Rapids Griffins, I've really liked what I've seen from him there. He's really buzzing around the ice. He's hitting guys. He's kind of just doing everything. He's been a really good two-way forward. And, you know, for a 19-year-old to come to the AHL and produce like he is, there's very few 19-year-olds in the league because, of course, you know, no players in the CHL are eligible to play uh, at that age. But for someone who can play the last 
two years in Sweden where it was more of like a middle six role at best. He's been having to take on a bit more responsibility of Grand Rapids and he's been able to lean on those veterans there and he's gone to learn. But talking to scouts that have followed really closely, they're saying like this guy has become so well-rounded just this year alone, especially as his confidence has kind of grown. So the Detroit Red Wings don't have a ton of top, you know, forward prospect um uh, talent there. Casper is the best. He was a first round pick in 2022, and I still think it was a great pickup for them. Um, but I'm not expecting, you know, tons of flashy points. I'm not expecting you know, him to go get 70, 80 points a year, but I think he's a guy that should be able to get 50 points a year who can th- continue to get better physically uh, and block shots. He kind of does a lot of that. So uh, in terms of that, there's other value you can get out of him uh, outside of the score sheet. Um, and then for the Red Wings, obviously, it's a team that's going to be on the rise at some point here. And if they don't trade him at the deadline, if they're going to try to get a major piece right away, maybe they do. He is he is intriguing that way. I don't think that's the right move. I think they'll keep him. I think he'll be a valuable piece of the Red Wings going forward. And I'm not sure if he's the number one center, most likely number two, but that's a pretty good number two. Yeah, it's interesting with Marco Casper because I look at what I worry about with the Wings is that Steve Eiserman got aggressive starting adding veterans too early before they get to finish really low and draft that like franchise center i think that marco casper like you said he could be one of those really good you know middle six or maybe even top six centers but i think his ceiling might be you know a player like bo horvat or nico he those those two-way forwards who maybe at, at their absolute peak they flirt with the point of game but they're more known for all-around play not like uh, i don't think it's Marco Casper winning scoring titles down the road, right? So that's the worry for me with Detroit. I just don't think they have one of those players in the system at all. So we'll see and, what and happens. But yeah, I will point out that like this is not the year that they should have been going for like a high playoff position. This is something where they should have tried to see if they can take advantage of the fact that so many teams are looking for a defenseman and maybe picked up a Berkeley cat and maybe picked up uh, Igor Chernyshev out of Russia or Tija Ginla and try to make a move like that. I think this year they've kind of played themselves out of that territory. They might still get a guy at like 19 to 20, depending obviously where they finish in the regular season. But I just feel like they rush this a little too early. Like the Yeiser plan has been in effect for a while. But I just don't think they were ready and they should have been bad for one more year to try to get them some scoring help. And I don't think they did that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, okay. Okay. We have questions. It looks like it's just question this week. I think we only have one, but I like it. So let's do it. Yeah, it's because we had about three or four questions that were pretty much the same, just worded differently. And I picked this one from Hercules because I hope that's your real name. Uh, (laughs) Question says, which potential trade target are you most worried that will fall because of being traded? Yeah, uh, I really like this question. Um, to me, Adam Henrique is the player I'm most worried about. So he now by default is probably the best center on the market now that at least Lindholm and Sean Monaghan are gone. Uh, he has been very handy with the Ducks. He's been playing pretty much a first line role. He's got 15 goals, 35 points in 50 games. Pretty handy, and I think that even those numbers don't reflect how how good he's been lately. It's been he's been closer to point per game production the last time I looked. Um, but this is the classic player that is, you know, he's decent. He's a, on a contending team. He's a second line, maybe even third line center. And that means he's not necessarily going to be playing on the top power play unit and playing with elite scores. It's just different. Once you get moved, it's very similar to Max Domi, the last couple of seats, right? Two years in a row, he was playing well 
on a team that's going nowhere. He gets moved and then he does nothing because he gets dumped way down the depth chart. It happened when he, when he joined Carolina two years ago and when he joined Dallas the year after. His production just from the toilet because he doesn't need it that, that much. It wasn't like they were your top line center when he was playing top line minutes on his original team, right? So I, I think that Adam Monrique is going to be the guy that that happens to this year. Okay. I like that. So yeah, basically all our questions were kind of in the same way there. If you want to ask us questions a little quicker and get a quicker response than waiting each week, obviously go for our Twitter accounts, uh, which you can see on the screen if you're watching. And if you're not M Larkin hockey and S Ellis hockey, otherwise just, you know, keep sending them everywhere you are. So, uh, are you ready for some starting lineup time? I am ready. All right, let's go with your most, I know you're a big TV guy, you're a big movie guy, but your most bingeable shows over the last five years. Okay, so over the last five years, that, those are the rules that we established, so I can't choose a show that ended, let's say, in 2018. Uh, some honorable mentions, uh, I didn't put Drive to Survive on the list because it's documentary. I chose to go more fictional narrative shows just to make it easier, and I know Racing purists are not big fans of the show anyway. Uh, I was close to including Winning Time, but the ending was so bad because they were forced to end the show when they weren't actually intending to end it. So I really enjoyed the show, but they just botched it in the finale. So six shows that I've really enjoyed binging that have come out in the last five years, or at least were active in the last five years. At the bottom, Squid Game. Now people might just be remembering it for the reality show that it inspired, but the original premise was really fascinating, really unique. I don't think they need to make another season, but apparently they are. But uh, talk about a memorable show when it first came out. It was a phenomenon. It was the most watched thing ever on Netflix. Uh, next up, even though it feels like there's only one season every five years, Stranger Things, it's still fun. It's still unique in that it kind of taps into a nostalgic sense of fun that we had when you were a kid. And every season, they're sort of drawing from different inspirations. As the characters get older, they make the content a little spookier and they're getting closer and closer to more R-rated type of 80s horror. Uh, but either way, it's been always a fun watch. My wife loves to watch it with me as well. Uh, next up, this is a weird one. It's a mini series and bingeable might seem weird because the content is so upsetting. But Chernobyl, I think, is the best mini series I've ever seen. Uh, absolutely unbelievable. The storytelling, the just documentation of what happened, uh, just the way it unfolds, I couldn't, I couldn't stop watching it. I just burned through the whole thing because it was so well done, so well acted, and I learned a lot watching it too. But just for my money, the best miniseries I've ever seen on TV. Uh, next up, Better Call Saul. It's weird because it's, you could argue it's less bingeable than Breaking Bad because Better Call Saul takes its time. But you could also argue it's an easier watch than Breaking Bad, which is maybe the most almost unbearably tense at times, right? Whereas Better Call Saul kind of picks its moments. And there are also moments of the show that are kind of light. And when, you know, when, when Jimmy's just doing his cons, things like that. So maybe it's a more comfortable show to binge and just amazingly well done. So much cons, amazing acting. In some ways you could argue it was like a more mature and ironed out version of Breaking Bad. So I think anyone who says they like Better Call Saul better, I think that's a reasonable take. Uh, next up, I have The Bear. The Bear is great because it's very intense, but it's also funny, and the episodes are short. They're only half an hour episodes, so you can burn through them quickly. Uh, and I just think if you think of TV shows having a title belt right now, uh, The Bear has the belt now. It's the new holder of the belt as the, sort of the show. And the last one on my list is, I think, the show that passed the belt to The Bear because it just ended, Succession. And to me, what I love most about Succession, uh, it's got that sort of operatic 
family dynamic or Shakespearean, whatever you want to call it. It's got the high drama, but it's so funny. My favorite thing about the show is how funny it is, even though it's a drama. It's hilarious. And that's why I enjoyed going back to it uh, so often. So those are my six most bingeable shows of the last five years. So of all those, I watched one season of Stranger Things, thought it was boring, gave up on it. Succession, <laughs> I've watched three episodes, thought it was fine, but not really enough to keep me involved. Never watched The Bear, never watched Squid Games. Uh, what other ones did you say? Uh, I'm trying to play. Um, uh, Better Call Saul, I said. Better Call Saul, I watched half of the first season. I just kind of forgot about it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's kind of just... <laughs> I've well, given a few of them can, a few of them I'm just kind of like eh, whatever. Oh, Chernobyl, and, that's another one. Watch the first episode, thought it was great. Watch it with my fiance. She didn't like it, and I gave up on it. That's that's, that's kind of how that one went. That's Steven, everybody. He, again, this is a guy whose main interests are just watching any type of hockey you can find. Like he would choose people riding unicycles on fire in a game between Tunisia and El Salvador over watching one of these shows. So you have to take that with a grain of salt. It's just what he does, it's how he rolls. He's not a big prestige TV guy, which I am. I'm a prestige TV snob, so that's why See, that's me, why I'm a tastemaker of, of this list here. Come 3 o'clock each day, I've turned The Simpsons on, and I watch that. <laughs> that's that's what I do. Which is fair. One of the all-time greats. I've watched the last 20 seasons. That's the weirdest thing about Simpsons. You can call yourself a fan, and I've seen like one-third of the show at this point because it just I don't feel yeah. – I don't consider the, the, the last 20 years the same show. I like it. I still enjoy it. I still find the show to be still pretty good. It's it's not the same. Like you go back and watch an episode from the nineties and like, wow, that was significantly funnier. But I don't know. I'm, I'm they still have some pretty good stuff. It's it's definitely not the same. But I'm not one of those people who just gave up on it. That's fair. Well, that's it for this week's episode, everybody. We'll be back next week. And if your trade deadline is not passing, keep sending us questions. We will help you out, and uh, we'll keep pushing as we get close to the end of the fantasy season. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 